This is episode number 317, Is There Value in Negativity? With Casey Berman, Lachelle Atkins, and Caleb Pearson. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Ads Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. The first announcement is an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming three-day event called Survive to Thrive, Face Your Fears. What this is, if this is your first time hearing about it, is a three-day experience that will be taking place on September 23rd through September 25th, where you'll get a chance to hear stories from speakers from all over the world as well as be a part of breakout sessions that are intended to help you identify the origins of your fears and turn them into strengths. If you'd like to know more details about this upcoming experience, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. We are back. Everyone's here. The whole crew is back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for this for a couple reasons. First is when I first thought of this topic, negativity to begin with I'd realized for so many years of my life I chose to refrain from it and I think a lot of it had to do with the stories and the associations that I gave the topic to begin with and then it was only recently that I started to realize that there's actually tremendous value in negativity to begin with Casey mentioned to me two or three weeks ago he said Something along the lines of that without negativity, it would be harder to identify or define positivity. And I think the same, the same is, I, I remember thinking there and, and realizing how much there is. But I've also found that for me, I don't know how it's been for any of you, but in being able to even sit with negative emotions, I've been able to find a lot of value and lessons and things like that that I've learned very quickly to learn over time. So I'm curious, and, and once again, not an easy topic, uh, probably, you know, one of the better conversation starters that I could think of, but in thinking about the topic to begin with, is there value in negativity? How do you choose to approach that? Do you believe that there is? Do you believe that there is not? And if you believe there is, what might that value be? Who would like to pick us off? <laughs> we can play a wheel of fortune here. Well, I'll I'll start. I think that um, you know, as a result of negativity, it really helps us to grow. Um, you know, what I may find negative today, tomorrow I may have a different perspective on. And I think that is uh really the catalyst to be able to explore and 
dive into what is this that's negative? Why am I believing that? Um, why am I uh, having a lot of this trepidation around certain things? I think, you know, it's really uh, close to impossible to think that life is all roses and and uh, flowers and, you know, white clouds and uh, some of these other uh, positive things that we really want to capture on a regular basis. But if it wasn't for um, the antithesis, you know, a lot of times we wouldn't be where we are today. I mean, I know that 13 years of my life was wrapped in depression, which I think was very negative. However, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. Mm -hmm. uh, it has really helped me to be more open with my communication, uh, very clear on my messaging in order to be able to reach people that uh, were in or uh, sometimes are currently in that state that I was in. So, and then I think, you know, it's negative based on what part of the experience you're in. You know, now I can look back over that period and say, you know, wow, that was a blessing. And, you know, other people could be like, is she crazy? You <laughs> know, whereas when I was going through it, it was negative. You know, so it's like uh, once something comes to maturity, you know, we see the value and the blessing in it. You know, I can always say whenever I got the news that I was expecting again, you know, there was this excitement and euphoria that everything is going to be great. And then, you know, you get morning sickness and you have all these other things that are negative, but it's part of the process. So mm. there's so many different ways to look at this. But, you know, I think as we mature, we can appreciate it. And maybe what started out being negative was really positive in the first place. We just hadn't got to the other side or gone through the journey long enough to appreciate it. So just to clarify, life is not always sunshine and rainbows. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Damn. My childhood, if you have kids, my childhood you perception just, just been shattered. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, yes. I agree with you. I, I think there is a lot to be said in regard to it. And I, I also agree with you in regard to negativity, having tremendous amount of, uh, of seeds, I guess you could say, for growth or the possibility mm -hmm. to grow. And I found that to be the same exact thing. Once I understood that life is not all about one side, it's really it's a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. And it becomes my responsibility learning how do you nav navigate from one to the other. I've also found that throughout my own journey, and I, I don't know if this is true for anyone else, is that there were so many times where I, as I said earlier, I was avoiding the negative emotions. I was avoiding the negative side. And that was actually prohibiting me from moving forward because I wasn't able to take that step forward because I was constantly blocking it instead of just choosing to sit sit in it. And I think, I don't know, for two guys in the room or three of us, there might be um, some commonalities as far as I think being a male and, and sitting in one's emotions. It's not, um, it just wasn't a thing that one was supposed to do. In fact, I'm I'm listening to a book right now called uh, Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson mm -hmm. Mandela. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that he talks about is this concept of um, manhood. Mm -hmm. And a question that he poses, at what point does a boy become a man? And what do you do as a man that you're not, quote unquote, supposed to do as a boy? 
And one of those things that he addresses is sitting in one's emotions, not, not even acknowledging them. You know, it's not okay to cry. You just, you have to kind of move past it. But I never really fully understood how do you move past something that's always there, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's just been interesting. Caleb, I could tell that you're taking down, taking some notes. So clearly the conversation <laughs> has already taken a turn. <laughs> uh, I am obviously, you know, I always have my pen and pad ready. I do take lots of notes. Uh, but man, what a, what a good question. And I love what, um, Michelle was talking about is being negative in the space that you were at at the time. Maybe it was at the time for you was a negative experience, but, um, two sides of the same coin, right? You can't Mm -hmm. have one without the other. Can't have dark without the light. And in so you can't live life, um, thinking everything is just rainbows and sunshine because it's not it's a full spectrum of it and and even so like uh i would i would question right um our emotions that we feel if they don't have a euphoric feeling just because that is it negative um Mm. or is the reaction to that emotion negative right um, if I'm angry or I'm sad or whatever and I'm depressed, um, is my reaction to that or my action in dealing with that, say, shutting down, suppressing emotions, um, not being social, uh, doing all of the things that I do that I feel I need to deal with it, right? Whether you feel like it's demasculating or not, it, are my actions negative or are the feelings negative? I think the mm-hmm. feelings are just part of life. Um, I think it's you can't live life without um, going through the good, the bad, experiencing the highs and the lows. And I wouldn't want to. I don't think I would want to go through life in in uh, eternal bliss, uh, because how do you learn from anything? How do you learn from the experiences that you had in the past? How do you know that you don't like that situation if you didn't get this? feeling from that situation you don't um uh, i think in order to i think to try to avoid negative or negativity negative situations i think it's i think you're kind of like um you're fooling yourself because you can't but what you can do is learn how to respond what you can do is learn how to turn that negativity into something positive something um that you can build off of um, something that I, so to speak, worthwhile, um, that may be something specific to you. Mm. But um, yeah, g- great, great topic of conversation. So is learning essential to living then? Or is that something that would just make it so? Of course. I, I, I call myself a forever student, a lifelong uh-huh. student. And it's not about academic uh, scholarship or anything like that, right? Um, or always going to class, but if I'm if I'm if I feel like I if I feel like I'm done learning, well, that means that I, I'm considering that tomorrow I'm probably going to be in the coffin. Because mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, perpetual, continuing to learn. You we learn from our experiences, from the people we meet, um, the bridges we burn, and those that we rebuild. Mm. Um, if you're not learning, then I mean, what are you doing? What are you doing? Casey, 
Yeah, it's a great topic. Uh, agree. Uh, there's a quote that says you can either view life as a, as a prison or as a classroom. And so I think if you view it as a prison, that's where you get, you feel anxious and the world's against you and you're being attacked. If you view it as a classroom, it doesn't mean there aren't obstacles to overcome, but mm -hmm. you're, you're, there's a curriculum and you're, you're learning from it. And, and how do I grow? So if you look, is there value in negativity? Uh, I think, I think so. And let me, I, I think there is some, um, you know, if you look at the word value, that means a benefit. Does that help? Does that support? Does that do good stuff for you? And good being a judgment call. Um, negativity, that's sort of a loaded word. And I think there's negative thinking. And then I think there's uh, sort of negative being, being negative, if you will. So you know, being, if you think about the etymology of negativity, I looked into it, you know, there's a lot of different words from the 1400s around what negative is. It's the, it's the opposite of good, which, which makes sense. It's, it's denial. Um, one thing that came up to me is that it's not the truth. Mm. And that's something that's an ancient way to, that that's not really used right now. If we look in the modern world right now, negativity is something, you know, that's not good. Um, it's not helpful it's glass half empty. It's, it's all of that. So is there value in negativity? I think there's value in that version of negativity. That's critical thinking that I don't think there's much value in the negative thinking that we associate with uh, depression and anxiety and shame and guilt. You know, we can debate about it, whether does depression help you? Um, does shame and guilt propel you? You know, I think when you're angry and you're on that level of consciousness, you can do good things out of anger, mm. but it's short-lived. Um, you know, if Mandela was angry, uh, I don't think he would have survived the 27, 30 years, um, you know, in Robbins Island. And so obviously he suffered in there. We weren't in there with him. But from what I've read, Nelson Mandela didn't have that emotional or mental trauma. Um, I'm not saying he was a blissingly and thought positive, but one thing I admire so much about him was just how he had no sense of real revenge when he was freed. Um, he was compassionate and he, you know, I mean, that's just such a testament to his mental health, right? And um, so for me, I don't really see much value in negativity. There's some, don't get me wrong. Depression, anger, you can compare it. We live in a dualistic world. People who've been anger or guilt or shame or a chip on your shoulder, right? Kyrie Irving just said that all the talk and smack talk he got is going to fuel him for the during the summer for next season. Okay, sure. But, you know, I think what really, when you look at my warriors, you know, you really look at just the how much fun they have and the collaboration and the teamwork um, mm. and the confidence, right? So I really think positive thinking and not just you know, rainbows, but really that idea of that I'm learning here and that um, everything is okay. And that even if something isn't, isn't, doesn't meet my expectations, then I'm still going to be able to, to benefit from it. I'm still going to be able to, to get through it. Right. So I think that type of thing is, is real. So I don't really see much value in negativity. Um, there is some, don't get me wrong. I didn't say there's definitively not, but I don't see a ton of value and negativity. The value I do see is that it helps you contrast 
when something is positive, it does give you that contrast because we do live in a dualistic world. I think whatever spirit or whatever you believe in when you pass or someone, I don't think there's much negativity up there. It's just kind of the zone, the flow. Uh, but we live in a relative world. I mean, that's what Einstein was talking about. So negativity helps us compare and contrast. That's how we make decisions. I think also it can fuel you short term. But if you're living your whole life on anger, um, look at some of our past presidents. If you look at yeah. your whole life on anger, you're it, it's going to it's going to burn out, if not burn you out. Um, so actually, I see value more so in being able to shift. I think Lachelle was talking about be able to shift and and recognize your thoughts and see that negativity, but then also make a choice or even not make a choice and just kind of naturally flow into a, into a different state. How do you make that transition or how have you been able to make that transition in your life? And correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, there have been times where I've used elements of anger or wanting to quote unquote prove someone wrong and then realizing at a certain point that, okay, I can't use that as my anchor the whole time because then that's literally what I'm going to end up manifesting after a while. But I have found that a lot of those emotions truly are, um, they're very strong forces. So they can fuel me to get going. They can become, quote unquote, internal motivators for a certain stage. But I've always been curious, how do people, where, where is the fine line? Where do you choose to say, okay, anger helped me to get to this point to, you know, prove this person wrong or whatever. Now I have to transition to a different force, like more positive view, because if I'm going to continue on down this road, I'm probably going to become a byproduct of that. I don't think anyone wants to have someone angry at them. Nobody wants to be attacked. Yeah. You know, I mean, from the fall, from the Garden of Eden, from everything that we've heard in our media, particularly in the in, in what we call the Western world, Europe and America and the Judeo-Christian background, you know, we really feel like we are, and I'm saying we humans, you know, we really feel like we're out of place. Um, somehow we got to this world. I mean, existence is weird, right? And we really feel, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah. And we've got some thoughts going on, which we place, you know, How our brain is here, happen? but our mind, <laughs> our brain is an organ that makes sense of the world. But we, for some reason, say our mind is in our head, but we don't know where our mind is. Our mind could be anywhere. But we put it in our head because the intellect is what's empowered. But we um, we were scared. I mean, we're really scared, even, and we may not want to admit it. And so, I think the shift I've made recently is realizing nobody wants to be attacked. No one does. And I know, um, you know, if you think about your drill sergeant in the military, Caleb, you can talk more about it. You know, a good drill sergeant is yelling and screaming and doing everything they do. But they love you. They want you to succeed. You know, you think of Vince Lombardi, you think of good coaches and good mentors. They might have the theatrics of what looks like anger, but it's not anger. It's if they're doing it right. It is a a a, a wanting. It's a collaboration. They really want you to succeed. Um, so I really feel, nobody wants to be yelled and attacked at all. My son doesn't. Um, I don't want it. We all don't want it. Um, sometimes we do want it because then if we get attacked, guess what we can do? We can then counterattack. And yeah. boy, does that feel good for a little while, 
right? So for me, the shift that I've, how I've been able to make it is to realize like when I get angry, I might get someone to do something, but that's not what they want. And that's not what I want. And as I've gotten over this fact of I got them to do what they want, I realized that it just didn't make me feel good to be angry anymore. <laughs> I didn't like being angry. And then you have, you have a spouse, my wife telling me, what'd you do that for? And the kids looking at me and they don't trust <laughs> or something. And then you're like, what did I do? Um, so uh, that's really the shift was like, I just don't like that feeling of anger anymore. I should have had this conversation years ago. This would have saved a lot of relationships. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. But it, it's also a good point like about the coaches. And this is something I've never understood. And, and Caleb, you might have some insights of your own when it comes to it. It seems that every single coach that I've had throughout my life, whether it's for soccer, running, basketball, wherever it was, it was that element. Get angry, scream at, at them. And I, I personally... I don't know if I was able to see the love through the words or through the actions, but I do agree with you that I think in some situations, some of the coaches, that's exactly what they wanted for us, but yet the communication style was completely different. And I, I wasn't the type of individual who would, yes, I would follow orders during practice or whatever it was, but there was a point where I was just like, I'm canceling that person out as far as what they're saying. Now I'm becoming angry with them due to their own form of communication. And that's that's something I've never fully understood. But you're right. I mean, in, in the military, I mean, that's probably the perception that it carries across the board, regardless of what branch you're in. Yeah, so um, it's actually an interesting concept because the idea is to um, excite you, right? To incite this inspiration built off of the re this reaction this, this instant emotion emotional reaction of maybe being scared or fear um which which you know creates um an adrenaline rush but the, the truth of the matter i mean we we move to that right as the tool the tactic to inspire you to move and you you like realize you you know uh, athletes and things like that realize um, oh man, I wouldn't have been able to do this otherwise if I wasn't pushed and driven to do this. But the truth of the matter is, is you could literally get the same effect from just being excited. Somebody <laughs> really exciting you, right? Somebody surprise, right? You're going to get the same effect. The only the, the thing is, the difference is the dramatization of it, right? Mm. But you're going to get the exact same effect. Um, and, you know, really, what it comes down to is, you know, a lot of people, and I wrote this down is, um, you know, do we use like negative experiences, right? Those who say, oh, I would have never been able to achieve this had I not gone through this. I would not be here if I didn't use this experience um, to build me up and do that. But um, do we do we almost use it as a cop out to explain something we probably knew we could do all along? But we just didn't do it. Right. It's the same thing. Right. Yeah. Maybe I feared jumping into that. Maybe I feared going for that. Maybe I feared leaving this relationship. Right. Um, and then uh, you, you go through your experience, you go through your negative experience and then you look back on that relationship and you're like, man, I needed to go through that. Um, but maybe you didn't need to go through that as long as you did. Maybe it was something that you already knew that you were capable of doing, but just like that TI or that coach that's 
exciting you and you get that adrenaline rush to push and do something superhuman, it's nothing that the body already wasn't capable of doing. Mm, and you would have gotten... It's a great point. Yeah. You just made me think, even on a very small, minor thing, I have this thing I have to get done, mm. some paperwork stuff, and it's so boring. I mean, it's just mind-numbing. And it, the, the deadline's coming due. So I'm a little afraid. I don't want to miss the deadline, like the <laughs> negativity. So now I'm moving forward with it, right? And four weeks, I've just been sitting on it. And if I – so fear and negativity and guilt and – all of that is compelling me now. I'm feeling it like I'm actually getting it done. But if I had shifted my mind, it's a cop out. Like I literally should have in an excited way, not as exciting as something else exciting that we all know. Um, but but in, in lowercase e, and I should have gotten this done, started it before. It's a total cop out, even with something small and minor with paperwork type stuff. I, I think you nailed it. Well, and I think also, too, that is uh, having the mindset of thinking um, how we want to show up, how we want to uh, really embrace each opportunity. I think that's a shift in itself. If you have the power of intention, you know, you can really pull a lot more out of some of those mindless uh, activities because that's how you see them, you know. So as your perspective, uh, expands, you know, you can begin to look at, you know, something as simple as writing a thank you card, right? You know, we can just say thank you, or we can get a graphic, or we can send somebody a video message, or we can, you know, send them a, a quote with the text. I mean, there's so much that we can add to some of these simple, mundane tasks uh, if we have the power of attention and just really overcoming our own self-sabotage, you know? So like, if, even if I go back and talk about my journey with depression, a lot of those things were things that I was doing to myself. I was mm. caught up blaming everybody else. I was like, it's my husband, it's my kids, it's these circumstances. But once I really fessed up and took accountability for me, it was me, you know, having my own self-sabotage. But, you know, it just got to the point where it wasn't working. I also find it interesting, though, in regard to that, at least what my experience has taught me, there became a point where I was telling the same story over and over again to a point where I just got so tired of the narrative. And I literally was thinking to myself, there's got to be a different story I can tell. Right. It's the same. I mean, literally about anything in life, going to the gym and then literally before entering through the gym doors, thinking it's going to be hard. Why does it have to be hard? Why does it have to be a moment that I just truly don't enjoy? And instead, it's like it could be a completely different experience, just all due to the mindset that I have with yeah. it. And I, I, I found, I don't know if anyone can relate on here, but there were times where because of that mindset, like um, what's the buffering mm -hmm. prior to the event taking place, I would fall into procrastination. Mm -hmm. And then through procrastination, obviously the task does not get accomplished by any means, but I'm making myself believe that it does. Right. So that's yeah. the, that's even more like going back to Casey's point. Like sometimes I truly don't understand his existence. Like how does it happen the way it does? <laughs> right. 
what and what you're talking about and oftentimes are 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 expectations and for me one of if not the main one of the main causes of suffering in this world and suffering comes from a not good thought a not good thing a negative thing if we look at it that way but in my opinion one of the main causes of suffering of negativity in this world is that disconnect the gap between what actually happened and what we expected to happen. Yeah. So birthday, you you expect a sunny, beautiful day and everyone to come out. It rains and none of your friends show up. You're going to be, that's negative. You're going to be disappointed. Um, and it could be, it could be anything, right? Like I want to get X thousand dollars for my used car. And I know I can get $4,000 for my used car on eBay and you get 1200. Wow. I knew I was going to get full. Well, how'd you know? That was just your expectation, <laughs> right? It didn't happen. Things changed. That was an old price or or that was a lie or it just wasn't in your geography. They're paying 4000 for it over there, but not here. It's just what it is. So it's that expectation. And you go into the gym, you expect it. You, you expect, you're hoping or expecting it to be a breeze, but you think it's going to be hard. It's just that. Where'd that thinking hard? Where did that expectation come from? So yeah. um, I, we all get said, and I think we don't, to, to the point about looking at our thoughts, I think we don't shine a light on our expectations. They're just there. We just assume them as true. But it really says, why do I expect this? I can have an intention, like it'd be nice if that happened. But like, why do I expect $4,000 for this car? Where did that come mm. from? Maybe it's true. Maybe I'll get it. But where does that expectation even come from? Mm-hmm. I love how you um, just come, you like literally in my mind, that's what I was thinking. And you, you verbalize it, wrapped it all up together. Cause Michelle was talking about intention, right? How do you show up? How do you want to show up? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, every day before I enter my classroom, especially on the first day, right. I may not be having a great day. But they have nothing to do with how my day started, right? Um, and Not so, yet, at least, right? <laughs> and so I kill it. I kill it every morning with excitement and, and and energy to put myself in that position. And then you also talked about um, you talked about uh, your um, what did you? What is the word you used? Um, expectation. Expectation. Yeah. What is my expectation? Your expectation, right? Your expectation, what you yourself, you created, which brings me back to what Lachelle was saying about being the device of your own kind of your own unhappiness. You're you're getting in your way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And even if you so say you. Yeah, you went through a depression and everything and you can sit there and say, OK, I didn't get out of it alone. Right. I went and sought help. I, I spoke to people. I saw a professional. But at some point, you had to make that conscious decision to say, I'm going to go get help. You did that by yourself. So the things and that was all I was talking about before, the things that we sit here and we make excuses, not excuses, but we say, oh, this negative decision, excuses. Yeah, this <laughs> negative decision that pushed me to do well, right. this negative, negative decision that ended up to bringing me to something positive, right? Um, this is my own creation. And this is nothing that I couldn't have already done myself. Whether my, and then 
where we get clouded is what were we expecting to happen and then when that doesn't happen oh now i'm correlating this to something bad to something negative so now i am the one that's telling myself you just had a bad experience Oleg didn't tell me i had a bad experience he didn't know my expectations you know if i'm just now getting back to the gym and i'm going in there and i'm killing it Oleg's probably like yo good job congratulations caleb you got back into the gym you did it you did what you could in my mind, though, I went to the gym, but I didn't work out maybe to the expected level I wanted to work out. It was slow. I was tired. I'm not as strong as I used to be. I'm telling myself it was negative. You just I'm described me myself. from this morning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm telling myself it was a bad experience, but yeah. it was all my my power to do so. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I So I help unhappy attorneys to to leave the law. And literally something just came through now in our members forum where someone had an interview for a non-law job and another job. And um, he felt like it went kind of badly. And um, now he's disappointed. Uh, I invested a lot of time and effort. I thought it might be a good fit. They haven't turned him down yet. Mm. I struggle with bouncing back from disappointment. What do you mean you felt like it went badly? What did you expect? You expected confetti? Did you expect more smiles? (laughs) No, but on a serious note, I shouldn't make yeah. fun of you. Yeah, you yeah, expect yeah. more smiles. You expected more thumbs up during the interview. Like something happened in this interview, probably via Zoom, which is hard to tell, body language and so on, where he said, this isn't going well. This is negative. And it didn't fit his expectation. Uh, it could be an illusion. The stink eye that he got from the person on the other line might have just been they had something stuck in their eye. Like it might not have been a stink eye, right? The eye roll or whatever. Um, He might be making something up here. They may come back and say, you did great. Or maybe he isn't a fit for the role. But how do we, like LaShelle was saying earlier, do do we look at the world as a prison? Do we get anxious and feel attacked? Or do we look at this as how do I learn from this? How do I move on from this? What do I take? And I think part of this here is to really say, and I'm going to reply to him, what were your... Why are you feeling badly? You're feeling badly because you had an expectation of X. This didn't meet X. It fell short for whatever reason. That's where the bad is coming from. So please revisit X. What what did you initially want out of this? And I think when you do that, you say, why did I even expect this? This could just be an introductory. Or did they really, what was it that made you the disconnect? Was it body language? And then you see and you say, you know what? He shrugged his shoulders. Why am I putting so much? Meaning in a shrug of shoulders, why is that so bad? Well, I, I think there there are two things that it made me think of. First is, and I'd be curious to hear all of your perspectives as well, is that in my opinion, I don't believe many people view themselves as the best version of themselves to begin with. So I think that's the first that, that, that kind of, I've experienced it. I'm sure I, I continue to experience it from time to time. You know, you have a conversation with someone, but for me, it, it's it quote unquote, it should have turned out differently. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I don't know if this is cultural or global across everyone, but it's wanting to hit a home run off the first swing. It, it's not okay to get to first base. It's not okay to get a double. You have to hit that home run. And I think in that case, the home run is to get the job, to get the paycheck, to get some form of uh, security, self-validation, all these things. 
And, you know, I'm only saying that because I've, I've been there. And in fact, I continue to be there from time to time. Now I've learned to kind of manage a lot of those expectations and ask myself, okay, this is a call that yes, it would be great if it leads here, but at the same time, if it doesn't, it's also perfectly fine because it might lead me down, down avenues that I didn't even expect. Same thing with job interviews. I remember the first time, as was somewhat back in the day, I was sitting at a internship interview, and I was just sitting there and asking questions about what it would entail and stuff like that. I had no intention of becoming a full-time. I had no intention of getting the paycheck. I just wanted to see what it was all about. And I remember coming back and some of my friends were asking me, how did it go? How did it go? Did you get the job? And I just responded, I don't know. They're like, what do you mean you don't know? Just like, I literally, I don't know. I mean, it, it's for them to decide. Why am I trying to decide? Why am I trying to make the decision for them? Like, if that was in my power, why would I even go to the interview? Right? So I think that's the other thing that I was curious for many of you to hear. Do you believe... Or do you think people put themselves as the best possible version to begin with? Well, see, or I do think we limit ourselves. I think that's a great question because you know what it sounds like is happening as a result of this conversation uh, with many people is the representative that you sometimes show is not the real version of you. You know, I always tell my clients or people that I interact with on a regular basis that, you know, somebody always has a representative and it's not until they get to know you better or whatever that you begin to see the real person. So when we talk about these expectations and the negativity, you know, um, we know what we're doing and not doing. So when we say, oh, that didn't work out right. Well, if you already had negative talk, you didn't believe it from the very beginning, the outcome is really what you believed happen, you know, and so we just may not be in a place to admit that to other people. Mm. So we can profess, oh, I'm going on this job interview. But if you're telling yourself that you're not a good candidate and you're You've beating yourself, yourself up, up all the way to the time you get there, I mean, you're going to have a negative result and you're going to be looking for negativity more so than positivity, because that's the thing that you are uh, behind a smile professing, but at the same time, you're um, really bringing to life that energy that you already are telling yourself. Yeah, it's actually a good question to ask, or at least for me, I think it's a good question whenever I'm speaking to someone, literally posing, am I speaking to you? Am I speaking to your assistant? Am I speaking to your banker? <laughs> All those roles, but no, you're spot on. As far as the number of masks, and I'm sure I do the same exact thing. I'm by no means prone to it. I There are certain conversations where I even catch myself doing it. Afterwards, I'll think to myself, I would never use these words. <laughs> A lot of it had to do with prior conversations or whatever prior dialogue that I had. And it's the same exact thing. Like, I'll, I'll take the person through the journey of the checklist just to get to a point. And the same thing happens for me sometimes when I talk to the person. Like I know both parties know for a fact that they're the decision makers and yet one or the other or both are still wanting them to jump through the hoops 
before they can gain their trust, their vulnerability, and all these other things in order to have the conversation that both are wanting to have. Mm. So I think that... I don't know. I don't really... I think, you know, you're going to ask different questions based on... I think the person who's most present Mm. accomplishes the most. Because the person who's not present is all over the place. You know, they begin to uh, demonstrate and say things that really kind of allude to where they are. You know, like if you meet somebody and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm running behind, I have so much going on. You know, you can just kind of tell by their conversation that they're not fully present. And if you're in a place of calm, you can really uh, maneuver how that whole conversation goes because they are not calm. You know, they are kind of scatterbrained, so to speak, in the moment. Do you think there's a connection between lack of presence and insecurity? That's a good question. Say that again. Lack of presence and And insecurity. insecurity. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll think about that for a minute. Wow. <laughs> Somebody else. <laughs> Lack of presence and insecurity. Uh, I think there's probably a correlation there. Um, not being being fully present because you don't feel um, fully. Maybe you don't feel like you can be fully um, your authentic self. Mm-hmm. So we talked about masks. Um, we talked about putting on a facade for certain people, certain social groups, certain situations and interview or um what have you uh you may be insecure you may be insecure about the true mm-hmm. authentic you um that you're most comfortable with but uh may not fully be present there because you're afraid of not being accepted for that mm. um and then to to answer your question about your the best version of yourself uh I, I I say go back to what Lachelle was saying about um, how do you want to show up? I think to mm-hmm. to and and then to to add that add to that what Casey was saying about what are your expectations? Um, I think it's probably a little bit foolish to go into something um, with an expectation that you're going to present your best self because I don't know that anybody's best self truly exists. Um, not authentically we're not fully ourselves in front of people and you can say sit here and say no what you're seeing right now is me 100 percent." but is it really are you being true to yourself are you changing your own uh narrative or the way you look or how you present people um or you present yourself to people to make the situation more comfortable to make you Mm -hmm. more comfortable to make yourself more present do you change your voice when you pick up the phone and you're talking to mom versus talking to a banker? Oh, for sure. Right? <laughs> this is, and, you know, I don't know why, but when you asked that question, I went bowling on Sunday and it made me think about bowling. And I know how to bowl and get a strike. And my expectation is that first frame, I'm going to bowl and get a strike. But for whatever reason, that first frame, I don't know why, but I pull back and I don't. I get a spare, but I don't get my strike. But walking away from that spare, I tell myself I could have done better. That was not my best bowl. I know it wasn't because I know what I did to pull back. 
But it makes me think about the same thing in life. How many times do you pull back? Yeah. How many times do you um, not truly show your fully authentic self to make sure that you feel comfortable um, in front of whatever situation you're facing? So best version of yourself? I don't know that that truly exists. You know, I, this is a great conversation. And Gandhi said that he would rather, there's a story about how he had an event, a big event, and he had to cancel it or he considered canceling it because he wasn't ready for it. Or he didn't have the news or something that just wasn't, he, he wasn't going to be his best self. He didn't have certain information or he wasn't able to go. And some of his, one of his assistants came up to him and said, no, no, you have to do this. We have to keep it. We have to keep this event. And he said, I am not something along the lines of, for me, what's more important is not consistency, but the truth. Mm. And there seems to be this, I, I butchered the phrase, but you kind of understand. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the idea here, for some reason, we have a belief and expectation, if you will, in our society, that we need to be the same all the time, that it's wrong to talk to your point, Caleb, to talk differently in a different tone and cadence with your mom than it is with a banker on the phone, um, as, as if we're being fake, as if it's it's different. And so, uh, but why? We're, I, I don't know if there is a true authentic self or there are many different true authentic selves. I'm authentic in one way with my old friends who've known me forever, but I don't want to be that way with someone that I just met or that um, I'm, I'm the context of which is, is totally, is totally different. And so for me, it's really around what the, the truth is. Now, what is the truth? That's a whole episode or two in and of itself. But when you think about what the truth is, the truth is, is this connectedness that we're all, we're all one. I mean, every Disney movie, you see it on the, in, in Hollywood movies, you see it on, on the facades of, of marble libraries and Cicero and, and the Stoics and everybody. But you know, when you think about that connectedness, I think the real truth is that we are not the separate, weak, angry, anxious animals that the world is out to get that we think we are. Um, there's a lot of institutions out there that want us to believe that way because they can make money, they can mind control, and and that's the consciousness level that we can we can be in. So for me, I think it's great to be inconsistent. It's great to be different in in different ways and different people that you're at so to the point of you know the insecure maybe maybe that insecurity and not being present is this idea that we feel we need to be a certain way in a phone call in an interview or that yes. there's one way to be i don't really feel like i'm nailing that one way oh god i feel lost right well you know you bring up some good points but i think um i don't know i feel that you know, I can be myself. You know, the truth is that there's different things that are going on. So, you know, let's just talk about this case of having to be somewhere and you're feeling like you're not your best self. You know, um, I think I'm more concerned with showing up to what people have seen me being. <clears throat> you know, if they see me as someone who is positive, has a good outlook, great conversationalist. I want to be that person every time I show up. Now, anything else that happens on top of that, I believe it's like icing on the cake. But, you know, if I uh, invite you to a panel, you know, I'm going to be inviting you because I've interacted with you on this panel and I feel like you would add a lot to the conversation. So 
I think sometimes what we do is, you know, we have these different places where we show up and we have created a brand or a, you know, reputation for ourselves. And then we try to get away from it. You know, oh, well, I don't really want to do that or whatever. But, you know, this is the kind of reputation that you've built for yourself that people are expecting you to deliver on. You know, we, I mean, we could say the same thing with Oleg. You know, he is the question man, right? <laughs> so if he started doing something different, not to say that he can't, but we come to the table with thinking that's his thing. It's the mm. questions, you know. So I think it's all about kind of educating um, people in that stance because, I mean, I just think as myself, there have been times that I don't care if you have a suit on or you're wearing some overalls. I'm still coming and showing up as the same version. And as a result of that, I use whatever someone has that I see as content for a good conversation. You know, so I think being able to do that has allowed me to connect with people that somebody else who calls them right after me wouldn't be able to. You know, if yeah. I if I'm casual and you're dressed up, I'm still going to feel comfortable. You know, I'm just going to say, hey, I'm a little underdressed, but it is what it is and go on with my conversation. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of that also just has to do with setting your own expectations and your own standard. I mean, I think this is true probably for all of us on here. Once we started to do these things, whether it's consistent broadcast or whatever, right? Conversations with people, it's like it's the standard I'm 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 committing to. And as part of it, I think sometimes and this has happened to me many times, where you don't have Wi Fi or stable internet, whatever it might be, it's like you're having to break that rhythm and then kind of falling back into that place of man but i promised to do that on tuesday i promised to start at this given hour i promised to talk to x y and z people i personally gotten to a point now where it's just like life happens i mean sometimes even in the most quote-unquote stable internet connections something else could go not according to the plan right the laptop might break down i hope this doesn't happen now but i can't control it Right? I can't control those things, and I so I I think what I'm taking away from all from all of this in regard to expectations is that to a degree, I'm setting them for myself, and then from there, if I don't meet them, then I'm creating a, another narrative within the narrative. Why didn't I achieve that? You know, Caleb's point. Why didn't I push harder when I go to the gym? I find that that's true for me. Like, I know for a fact that, okay, I could have gone one extra rep. I could have done one extra thing, but I didn't do it because X, Y, Z reasons. And then after a while, it just it just leads down a complete other rabbit hole, which, yeah, it's just uh, fascinating, right? Like, what is life and what are we? I think that's the ultimate question. <laughs> ultimate question of it all. I'm curious, as we're approaching the top of the hour, what are some ways that people can find out more about who you are, what do you have coming up, part of your work, part of your career, part of your path that people can also be a part of. Michelle, I'd love to start with you. Well, uh, thanks again, Oleg, for this conversation. I have some notes over here. So uh, I love to be able to challenge 
uh, some of my thought processes. But you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, you can Google America Supermom. I'm pretty much everywhere. Um, but I am so passionate about mental wellness, really being able to have that conversation about how we can overcome some of these limiting beliefs, the self-sabotage and, you know, really uh, giving moms and women strategies so that they can implement healthy boundaries and, you know, learn how to collaborate. That was really my story so that you can have it all and do it all, but not at the expense of your own uh, health. So mm. glad to be here today. No, thank you, Caleb. Hi. Uh, yeah. So um, I have a podcast. <laughs> I do. It's called Ignite. Um, and I am I'm going to bring it back and up to speed and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's still out there, it's still very much available on all podcasting platforms. You can go and find it at the underscore po um, Ignite podcast on um, Instagram, but also uh, just chat me up. I love just talking. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, just Caleb Pearson. I am in the, the Air Force. Um, I'm a teacher, I'm an instructor, and I'm always looking forward to prefer, uh, pref professional and personal development. So um, I've got things moving and things in the works, but it's always a pleasure, Oleg and Lachelle and Casey. So, Did I just set the expectation for you? <laughs> Oh, I think so. I was just thinking about it, actually, as I was showing that. I'm going to make sure I have a positive experience from it. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Casey. Great to be here. Caleb, Michelle, Oleg, thank you again. Uh, I help unhappy attorneys to, to career transition into non-law jobs they, they love and, and are good at and pays them well. And you can find me at leavelawbehind.com. I want to thank the three of you and anyone else that's going to be listening to this uh, just for this conversation, the value that all of you always bring. And I truly do mean always because I'm here learning and taking notes and things like that. It's just uh, I always find these conversations to be something that I'm able to expand my perspective even more in. And even in this case, thinking about the term negative and thinking, why does it have to be negative to begin with? So a lot of it, just what I've heard through this conversation is based on mindset, my expectations of the terms to begin with, and the fact that I have a choice uh, to a degree. I think there's, and that choice is always there. So I want to thank all of you for being a part of it and looking forward to reconnecting with you soon. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.